John chapter 16. I'll be reading verses 5 through 15 and then focusing on verse 7. So God's word, John chapter 16, beginning at verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will declare it to you. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for these great promises. May you impress them on the hearts of your people today, that we would understand them clearly and live them out more diligently and faithfully. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Advent season, uh, Christmas, is a time where we rightly focus on the incarnation. It is the eternal Son of God, was born of a woman in fulfillment of centuries of promises, uh, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Moses, many prophets. It was an amazing truly amazing event in world history that the promised one had arrived. Uh, many generations and various traditions sing various hymns. Think of the titles, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, or Joy to the World and others that focus on the coming of that which he who was promised. And so with Anna, as it's mentioned in uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, the old faithful widow, we thank God for his coming and speak of him to all who are looking forward to redemption. Yet, and this is the focus today, as great as that arrival was, as amazing as the incarnation was, there's even better. Jesus here refers us to something better. Uh, shortly after these words uh, recorded here were spoken to his disciples, after having lived this sinless life, he then went to the cross where he died that once for all atoning death. And again, many prophecies were fulfilled in that and satisfied perfectly by his atoning death. So the people before Jesus rightly looked forward to that once in a, um, let's say once in a lifetime, once in all of human history event, the incarnation, and the people of his lifetime experienced him on the cross. And many people with him no doubt thought, how could it be better, right? But yet Jesus here points to some grief at his departing. But it's his words of comfort here that I want to focus on in verse 7, where he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. You think that would strike you as a bit counterintuitive? Here I'm standing face to face with the Messiah, the one whom faithful generations have looked forward to, and you're telling me there's something better? <laughs> yes, uh, something better, uh, very much better, that we, in our situation today, have the privilege of living among. Scripture records this promise. We take it as true. So let us briefly, in two parts, look at how it is that verse 7 can be true, how it is truly better that he departed. 
So what does it mean, the word here for better, and then how? How is it better? So the what, what is he meaning? Uh, the phrase is, in New King James, to your advantage. Other translations have for your good, or it's best for you, it's expedient. Uh, in other places in the New King James, it's translated with that word expedient. Uh, the key work in, word in Greek has the sense of you're being carried along, kind of from one place to another, uh, from one situation into a better situation. Uh, in order to help, to bring you to a better context. Not that the disciples' situation was bad, per se. We wouldn't want to say, oh, it's bad that you've been walking with Jesus, your Lord, for these years. But that there was, indeed, something better. They were being brought to a better place. So how is it better? And I want to offer to you five ways. There's others, uh, but just briefly, these five. So how is it better for us? How is it expedient? How is it to our advantage even better beyond what the disciples had in their experience. First, it is true, and I want to affirm this each time, it is true that it is good that Christ ascended and went away, for in doing so, the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost and displayed special gifts to the church. Is not that great? But it could not have happened if he had not departed. Second, it is true that it is for our good that the Holy Spirit is now with us because Christ incarnate, while he was incarnate in the body, was in one place, whereas the Holy Spirit, having been sent down, is with believers in every part of the world. So as good as it was to be face-to-face -face with Jesus, to be uh, dining with him at that Passover celebration that prefigured the Lord's Supper here, it's even better that the Holy Spirit has come to be with his believers around the world. Third, affirming again, it is true that it is for our good that the Holy Spirit has been sent to inwardly work on men's hearts. Because while Christ's work was, and I'll term it here, declarative, right? He spoke God's truth. It's the Holy Spirit who works inwardly to convict and to convince of sin and righteousness and of judgment. Fourth, it is further true that while Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, it is for our good that the Holy Spirit was sent to be our guide in that way, right? He brings us along that pathway that Jesus walked, that Jesus pointed to who Jesus actually is that way. His gifts and his graces, that is the Holy Spirit's gifts and graces, and the inspiration of scripture that direct us on this pathway guide us in this way of truth. And fifth and lastly, affirming again, it is true that it is good for Jesus to have left and ascended and for the Holy Spirit to have been sent because since faith is the substance of things not seen, there is now more room for the exercise of faith, right? Not seeing Jesus face to face, not being able to experience him as the disciples did, there's more room for the exercise of faith. And remember, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But with faith, he is well pleased. So friends, it does seem uh, counterintuitive to say that it was good for Jesus to leave. We wouldn't want our best friend to leave. We enjoy the time when we're there, say visiting with family at the holidays. And when you finally have to wave goodbye, you're thinking, can it really be better? <laughs> and we, uh, in those situations, <clears throat> look forward to the next time of being reunited with them. But Jesus' promise here went way beyond that, of course, because he did send the Holy Spirit to be with his people. Uh, the disciples, of course, were perplexed. So it's reasonable that we would be as well. They were perplexed and concerned by what Jesus had told him. But they gained comfort 
as he explained it to them further, and they came to understand it better. I wish I had looked up the Greek word for understand here. Perhaps it's the same one that Pastor Kaiser referred to in the introduction. So by understanding what was going on, by heeding and taking in and then living out Jesus' words, they could be comforted. And ultimately, the history of the Bible as recorded here and then walking forward of the church after Bible times, many generations since have seen how this is true. Because while absolutely groundbreaking it was that the Messiah came into the world, humbly born in the manger, it's the ongoing world-changing work that he founded that now continues through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So remember that the disciples' lives were utterly transformed by the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Uh, one author, a commentator I wrote, worded it this way, the growth of knowledge and faith and hope and zeal and courage was so remarkable that they were twice the men they were before. They did far more for Christ when he was absent than they had ever done when he was present. What pungent proof it is that it was a good thing for Jesus to depart. And so now as we come to the table, we recognize that Jesus is not here physically, right? We disavow that heresy of the Romanist church. It's okay, though. It's good. It's even better that he is not here because he is seated in heaven and we are united to him by faith, a faith that is exercised and encouraged by these words that he speaks. So let us eat here with faith and enjoy these blessings. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, for these great promises, uh, many which came true at his coming to Mary, uh, many who came true in his every act of his faithful, obedient life, others that came true in his death, burial, and resurrection, and others that came true in his ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all of this. No part of it is without the whole. It is Jesus who died and was crucified. It is the triune God who has been working out this plan for all eternity. And so, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you, we delight in you, and we walk forward by faith being encouraged and challenged by your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.